Welcome back, Cripsters. On tonight's show, I'm joined by my good friend Memo, and we go scene for scene in our discussion of 1979's Phantasm, a true horror classic. As always, grab your favorite beverage, and let's start the show. Welcome to Modcast from the Crypt. show memo i've known paul like for a while now but you know it's just you know we live far so it's kind of hard to to meet up so it's been quite a few years since uh we've seen each other uh but uh the first time we met was working over at home depot yeah that was a long time ago yeah and then uh the you know we became friends by talking about horror movies yep. over there sitting there in uh returns just chatting about horror movies and shit yeah when it was downtime it's like yeah you know like we'll start we're still working and moving around but you know we talk about that stuff i i remember when i would open and you know when you're opening and returns for like the first half of the day no one's there that's because they open like crazy early yeah like at five in the morning or something yeah exactly I don't know if it's five or six but you know you're there like at five or five thirty yep and um so i would bring like books and shit just to read and managers would come over hey what are you doing i'm just reading all right um and just start chatting with you. They didn't care. Yeah, because, I mean, it's like, what are they going to say? Like, it's different, like, if you were, like, playing video games or something. You know, technology wasn't what it is today. No. You know, for everybody who doesn't know, that was back in 1959 <laughs> when we worked in, in <laughs> Yes, Home Depot. yes, yes. I'm Paul's old friend. Uh, I am 75 years old. Yes. When I said it's my old friend Memo, I meant he's old. <laughs> he dug me up from the graveyard. <laughs> That's why this is Podcast from the Crypt. In 1979, writer and director Don Coscarelli unleashed one of the most famous and feared horror villains the world has ever seen, the sinister and mysterious Tall Man. The lead antagonist of the film, Phantasm, the Tall Man has been stealing dead bodies and bringing them back to do his bidding. Mike, the young boy who witnessed the tall man doing some extraordinary and frightening things, takes it upon himself to stop the evil mortician. So do you remember the first time you watched Phantasm? Well, I mean, I don't remember the exact first time that I watched it, but I know when I watched it, I was a, a, you know, a kid, yeah. probably like, um, I would say maybe five or six, something around there. When I actually started watching, or when I've seen horror movies, I was probably like, four or maybe before four okay and then one of the first horror movies that i can remember was uh dawn of the dead the original yeah and classic was, yeah because it's like when you're a kid it's like i just remember people being torn apart you know <laughs> so uh a lot of nightmares or probably did have nightmares but uh i mean you know i still like to watch them anyways i mean i don't get scared by the movies anymore i can't even think of a movie that actually scares me like now. Yeah, because, I mean, you watch so many, it's like, it, the, the thing that would scare us is, like, actual real life that I was like, oh, my God, like, if that happened in real yeah. life and you see it in front of you, like, you know, someone's head got torn off or something. But, I mean, in a movie, it's like, okay, like, I, I, I watch them, and then from watching it when I was a kid and then until now, it's like, 
Um, I appreciate, I will, you know, the thing that hooks me is like the story. Uh, and the thing that, that I like appreciate is the, uh, the makeup and the special effects. And I'm talking about like the practical stuff, just, you know, like the stuff that you like as well. Yeah. And I mean, maybe cause we're older, I don't know. It, it, it could be. Yeah. I mean, I imagine I, I'm, these kids don't really give a yeah, shit. Yeah. So I'm not actually 75 or whatever I said. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 40 years old. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, like I said, the practical effects, I love that stuff. I mean, you know, and then just the images and um, the the creativity that it comes to come up with these stories. Uh, that's that's what hooks me on on this stuff. It's not, and then like you know, when I'm reviewing stuff or talking about it, I'm not like you know, I can't be just like one of those guys that are just like, oh yeah, let me uh, bring this movie down because it doesn't reach you know reach like uh, this should be an Oscar winner or something. Uh, no, it's just like. With me, it's like if it, you know, it just has to have something that hooks me. Yeah. Whether it be the storyline or, or the, the effects, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it's Some, great. Sometimes it's both, you know. Yeah, I was just going to say it's great when it's both. Yeah, because sometimes it's funny when it's like that, uh, like you see something and it's like, oh, man, it <laughs> that, that doesn't look right or something. You know, yeah. like in some movies where it's like, damn, that's, uh, that's the effect. There's a lot of movies I've seen. That the storyline's kind of lacking, but you know these creatures look so fucking awesome. Yeah. Or you can just say, hey, you know what? I don't even care what's going on. Yeah. Like these monsters are dope. Like, mm-hmm. so fuck it. And then it goes the other way around. You know, the storyline's really gripping, and 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 you haven't seen it before, or another twist on on something you have. But like, the creatures look kind of silly. I can totally look past that too. Yeah. Especially if it's practical effects. If it's bad CG, that's just like. Uh, you want to vomit on the shit because they could have did better. Yeah, and then with the CG stuff too, it was like I'm kind of the same. Where it's like sometimes it's like ugh, but um, other times it's like, well, if they didn't have it, it wouldn't have been able to be made. Because like you know, when you guys were watching Pan's Labyrinth, I, I know there must have been a lot of CG on that one, but it looked good. Yeah. Uh, same thing. I mean, I'm not going to talk. This one's not hard, but Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. With that one, it's like without CG, you know. Yeah, the, it, it would have like, been a dull movie for yeah. sure. So, I mean, it just depends on how they, they pull it off. Um, and, I mean, besides special effects, makeup and stuff, uh, I mean, with horror movies, there's just been a few that I can remember that uh, that uh, were good because of just, like, the storyline. It wasn't that they had, you know, a bunch of effects or anything. Like, the, the one I can think of uh, off the top of my head is um, Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. That one was a really good movie really good storyline uh oh it's so good yeah so the acting was really well you know well done uh that neighbor that with the annoying voice the lady she uh you know she did a really good job too because it's kind of like you know you can picture her being an actual neighbor with that voice and, and being next door to you yeah you know and then you know and then they have that dark background that comes up at the end so uh yeah that one was you know like i said the story that's what what carried it and the acting yeah and directing of course but you know that guy's got a dark history as well we like to talk a lot about the the whole practical and cgi effects yeah uh, argument here on the show i know mm-hmm. we brought it up before a few times it's memo's first time on the on the podcast so yeah first time here but long time listener since episode 1 right yep all the way back 10 episodes ago damn <laughs> It's been that many. <laughs> oh, shit. Time flies, man. <laughs> so Phantasm came out in 1979. It was directed by Don Corsarelli. Yes. 
He writ, he wrote it, filmed it, edited it, everything. He yeah. started it. He was every every character. Yeah, <laughs> he mean, was tall man. Yeah, Paul told me that he even catered. Yeah, he catered it. Macaroni and cheese. Yes, he drove everybody home at night. <laughs> <laughs> Before Uber and Lyft. <laughs> yes, he started that shit. Huh. <laughs> you look on the founders page and it's it's Don there. <laughs> <laughs> what hasn't Don done? He's awesome. It stars Angus Scrim as tall man. He's the the lead antagonist. And Paul, you were telling me that he uh, he go that was his stage name. It's his stage name, and he actually changed it for Phantasm. His his original name is Lawrence Rory Guy. Um, he he did stage stuff. Uh, I believe some movies and theater. More of a uh, you know dramatic, serious actor. When he got this part, he was like, I don't really want my name attached to it at all. And and I think he came up with Angus Scrim. Mm-hmm. And changed it for that, which now it's like when he did that, he's forever known as Angus, Angus Grimm. Yeah, and that's that's a really cool name too for, it, for, yeah, for cool. The, an actor in horror. And I mean, like I was telling Paul, I um, I've only known him from Phantasm and the different uh, you know sequels that they've made, and you know recently with the what's it called John dies at the end I've you know he had a, a small part in that but he was also in that as well which is also horror mm-hmm. so I mean all I know of of him is just horror I've never seen him in the dramatic roles that yeah I haven't I haven't watched any of his early stuff but um, so it's it's kind of like if it was a, a porno film and yeah he, he, he kind of like, looked at it like that he's like no it's like if I get in this then other parts people aren't going to want me for those anymore I have a, I, I kind of have a feeling that he really didn't want to do this but he was like you know what cha-ching I need that money <laughs> Yeah, but he played it so well. You but, can't imagine anybody else doing this part. Yeah, and but the thing though is like how you said, like cha-ching, I need the money. It's, I mean, it was a, a low-budget film, so I mean, how much money could he have? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, maybe he hasn't got any roles in a while. Okay, he's running out of baloney. <laughs> he's like, you know what? <laughs> no, ninety-nine cents stores back in the day. No. So that actually would have been like way overpriced stores back in those days. Oh yeah, yeah. What? Everything's true. a fucking dollar. <laughs> I can go down the street and get this bread for fucking fifteen cents. That's true. It's like even, even gas was like you know so. That's now, now we sound like old men. Yes. It's like because it's like back in the days that like, gas used to be like less than a dollar. Oh man, I remember when I first started driving, it was like a dollar. Yeah. Yeah, it was like. And cool, we're here you know. in California, and gas prices are fucking ridiculous. It's like what four dollars right now, somewhere around there. The yeah, average. Yeah, I mean, it's going down now, but yeah, it was like averaging $4. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm only a few years younger than you are, so huh. we remember those days. Yeah, you know, pretty soon we'll be coming out here doing the podcast, in, in uh, you know, with our canes or wheelchairs. <laughs> yes. Our lead protagonist is Mike, played by Michael Baldwin. Yep. He's, what, like 14 or 15? Yeah, some somewhere around there. Yeah, and, um, he actually did a really good job. I imagine it would be pretty hard for a kid to not only just take on an acting role, but to do something like this. Yeah, and then I was listening to the commentary, and then uh, there was a lot of parts where uh, Coscarelli was, uh, you know, applauding his his uh, you know his acting because he said if he didn't do some of the stuff that he did, because I mean, like he's just there, like when he's under the car. And then, like, it's just a little kid in, in a robe, but no, he's playing like he's terrified. Yeah. And if he didn't do that, like, you know, it wouldn't have come out as well as it did. And same thing at the end where, like, when he's coming up to the, win- to the, little, to the mirror 
where the closet is at. Mm-hmm. And, like, he knows what's going to happen. But, like, the way he played it, you know, it, it came out. I mean, that was, like, the most awesome part is at the end. Yeah, just, like, he just did really good cliffhangers. Like, oh, man, like, what's going to happen next? Or is this it? Like, he's done for. Mike's older brother, Jody, played by Bill Thornberry. He's, like, uh, he, he's, a, he's a few years older. He's probably like in his twenties. Yeah, probably like early twenties. Yeah, badass guy, the the smooth guy. Yeah, and talking to the bitches. Yeah, but so smooth that he can go to the bar, you know, just take a swig of beer, like just one little sip, and it's like, all right, you know, he's already hooking up with the chick, taking her <laughs> off. You, I want to get to that level, dude. <laughs> I want to get to that Jody level. Like, Come on, man. You're coming with me, <laughs> bitch. You are with me. Okay. <laughs> We're going to the grave. Yes, we're, we're going. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I got no money for no hotel. <laughs> you get to mess up my, my interior of my Cuda. Yeah. We're walking because I don't have gas money. <laughs> yeah, I burned it all with that uh, eight-cylinder engine. Just get in here. <laughs> <laughs> I just drive from gas station to gas station. He's like, my little brother has to go over and mow lawns so that way I can get some gas money. <laughs> So Reggie is played by Reggie Bannister. He is uh, their friend, and he is the ice cream man as well. He's got that ponytail, but like balding on top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reggie's a cool dude, and uh, he comes up in, in the sequels as well. Yeah, he's, he he's, ends up he's, being like a main part of the whole franchise. Yeah, he's, he comes up to a major hero. And, and what's funny is on, on this one, he doesn't have, I mean... He still, like, comes out and helps out and stuff, but he's not as big as he is on the the sequels. And Kathy Lester is the Lady in Lavender. With her, it's, like, crazy because when when I first watched it when I was a kid, um, I didn't know that the Lady Lavender and uh, the Tall Man are basically one and the same. So, I mean... The the shit you don't pick up... When you were a kid, man, because the same thing, I didn't realize that at all. I mean, it's like right there in your yeah, face that... <laughs> especially at the end where, you know, like when, when Reggie's is going down and then uh, you just see their faces like, you know, kind of go blink out and yeah. the other one shows up. And, and, and then and, Tall Man's actually there instead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe it's like when I was a kid and I didn't actually finish the movie to the very end. I don't know. Huh. Or didn't even think about it as much. So the movie opens up at the cemetery at a mortuary. Um, Tommy, which is you, you'll you find out is Jody, one of Jody's friends and bandmates and shit. Yeah, Jody and Reggie, they both uh, they're both in a band and and uh, yeah, they were that was a trio right there. Yeah, the, the Used trio. To be. <laughs> it, it was the trio, the trio, the yeah. Theo, the Theo. What was the band's name? Did they even mention? No, but I know after uh, Reggie uh, finishes playing that song that they play in the movie, there he's like, "Where's Hot as Love?" Maybe that was their name. Maybe that was their name. Hot as love. All right, Tommy's there with the lady in lavender. They're they're making out and fucking on top of like a tombstone thing. You know, she's on top of him, titties yeah. are out. Yeah, it's very romantic. He's <laughs> he's he's got a you know a rose right there and some uh, fireworks going off in the background. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> There's a symphony in the background playing for them. No, it was just uh, you know they're getting it on and. Uh, out of nowhere, he gets, uh, you know, they're, he, they're done, basically. And then uh, Lady in Lavender, you know, he got his, and now she's going to get hers. So, you know, she gets her dagger and, and a Tommy right there. Yep, right, right there in the, his, into his chest. Yep. Fucking kills Tommy. Yeah, so uh, they're at Tommy's funeral at Morningside Mortuary. 
or cemetery. I'm not sure. It just says Morningside. It just says Morningside on the sign, yeah. Yeah, so uh, one thing about Morningside, though, that I, you know, when I was listening to the commentary was that I think they said it was uh, somewhere like in Pasadena or like northern Pasadena, where it's like maybe just someone's home, like a big mansion or something. And that was just a sign right there. And they say, like, all right, you know, let's put that there, film it really quick and get out of here. You know what? Now that I think about it, it kind of does look like that area. Yeah. So uh, that's that's basically where that's at. And the cool thing about the movie is it's filmed all throughout California. They're at the funeral. Uh, Jody and them talking about the trio ending. And uh, they both come to the conclusion that uh, Tommy killed himself. So they don't, you know, they don't suspect that someone uh, murdered him. Yeah, they think that he he killed himself, and they're just talking about how crazy that is, and that their band's broken up. Yeah, that's the biggest issue is their band's broken up. Yeah, and then uh, so Jody's like, oh yeah, like uh, you know that he needs to go visit someone because he's talking about his parents that their their parents are dead, uh, Jody and Mike's. So you know he's like, oh, I got to go visit someone, and uh, next you see him over, you know, in the mausoleum, and you know he's visiting his parents right there for a bit, and then uh, out of a sudden, like there's a lot of on this movie, it just cuts from one part to another a lot of times so it's kind of like you know not all linear so after uh you know you see him in the mausoleum now it cuts to uh mike his little you know jody's little brother arriving in the cemetery yeah he's riding that fucking awesome dirt bike yeah (laughs) (laughs) riding through all those graves and you know what i never thought about it (laughs) but yeah Right away, you're like, this kid's an asshole. Yeah, so, yeah, it's kind of crazy, yes. When he's coming in, you he hears, and we hear, the weird noises, and that's coming from those uh, those little dwarf creatures. Uh, but, I mean, they don't show them. You just, yeah, they you don't just, show them yet. Yeah, which is cool. That's, what, that's a part of horror movies that I love is, like, sometimes it's just, like, what you don't see is uh you know like it's makes, scarier yeah it's scarier because it's whole, like your imagine- less is more like, yeah i'm totally the, for that yeah because your imagination just like runs wild and i mean sometimes it's a good reveal as well like i mean it's but you gotta wait for it yeah you can't just give it up right away so uh yeah you just hear that in the background and then uh you just you know you barely see like a shadow of one just like move behind one of the tombstones so you see Jody, and he's over there with his parents, and then um, he hears the same noises. We can hear the same noises. So he kind of, like, heads towards the direction of where the noise is coming from to investigate. It's like he turns the corner, and then out of nowhere, there's a hand that yeah. claps him on the shoulder. It's like, oh, crap. And uh, it turns out to be the tall man. But you don't know he's sinister yet. And uh, he just tells them the funeral is about to begin, sir. And like he doesn't way, have a whole lot of lines in this movie. No, he doesn't, but it's just the way he says it, too. Just like, you know, just with a little pause and then the, sir. Sir. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. And then uh, what's crazy is when it when it does show him in the funeral, he's like, he's one of the ones in the front, too. It's like you would think those guys are, like, on the side, like, out of the way. Yeah, I mean, usually they are. I don't know why he, unless yeah. he was friends with Tommy. Yeah, so he's, <laughs> he's, like, one of the, like, the main, like, that's where, like, the main family would be at is, like, in the front. But that's where uh, the tall man's at. Yeah, tall man was uh, Tommy's uncle, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it cuts to a scene where, like, uh, Reggie's talking to Jody again. He's telling him that it's it's good that he didn't uh, let Mike come to the funeral because of uh, the last time with their parents that, mm-hmm. you know, we lost it. And it was a bad experience for him. And, you know, it would be a bad thing for, for uh, him to see Tommy in the casket the way he is. Uh, Mike is over in the bushes. And he's just, you know, spying in there, watching yeah. outside. And uh, He's got his binoculars. He's- yeah. 
And then uh, the tall man is pulling. You know, well, not the tall man, not yet. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's pa- watching. He's watching the service. You know, everybody's there grieving. And, yeah, and the and, pa- uh, the pallbearers are taking the the casket out. It takes you know six of them, which yeah. is normal, because like, they're heavy. They're really heavy, and and that you know the preachers in front of them, uh, doing what the preachers do. And uh, what's funny is well, not funny, but uh, cool fact is that 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 preacher was actually uh, Reggie's dad. Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, not not in the movie that that's the guy playing Reggie's no, dad, uh, but actual uh, actors that the director used a lot of the people that they knew, friends of you know, yeah, of, of a lot of the crew. Yeah, it helped with costs. Yeah, you know, to bring it down. So yeah, that, I was like, I didn't know that until I was listening to the thing. I was like, oh man, that's Reggie's dad. Is like, yeah, you can't see the resemblance. Yeah, it's like, like uh, well, one of their moms is there too, and cousins and fifth uncles and yeah, with, all kinds of shit yeah like with uh coscarelli his his mom and dad are part of the uh people that are the mourners right there too yeah so that's really cool i like when uh, directors do that yeah so yeah they're, t- they're taking them out and they do their service and then the next thing you see is like uh you know joey and mike they they both kind of want to cut out of there they don't want to stick around anymore so when the coast is clear you know of course mike is still in the bushes hiding there and then he sees uh, the freak, a freaky thing that, that scares him throughout the movie and he keeps going back to it, which is uh, when everybody's gone, usually the casket, you know, gets put into the yeah, ground. Yeah, lower down into the ground. But nope, not this time. The tall man, he comes up to the casket and, you know, it takes six guys to carry the casket. And it's, not, it's heavy, so it's not like if they were, like, carrying it easy. So, you know, the, the guy picks it up all by himself. Just reaches down, picks it up, yeah, throws so, it into the back of the hearse. Yes, yeah, so it's like with that, it's like you can. It's like he's one strong dude, you know. Yeah, nobody could have done that. So Mike was fucking freaking out. Mm-hmm. He he was even like, "What the f-? he mouth? What the fuck?" Yeah, and the, it was funny. The director was saying, "Well, yeah, that's for, you know, like we got away with a you know a kid saying that on on film." So, yeah, back then I'm sure it was an issue. Now it's like fuck, fuck, fuck. Everybody's saying fuck. Yeah, it doesn't even matter. Times have changed. So, yeah, like, uh, you know, that happened, and it, it goes back to that scene, like, maybe once or t- two more times. I'm not sure. So, okay. uh, yeah, after that, Mike goes to, uh, uh, like, a psychic or a fortune teller. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the music that starts playing when he's walking down or uh, riding down the, the road and into the, the yeah. building. Yeah, like, the thing about this movie, too, is, like, uh, and with a lot of different movies, it's, like, the music is what hooks you in, too. Yeah, and, and, the, and, and it goes with it as well. And then throughout the series, it's, like, that music is, is you know, awesome, and it, it just sticks to, with you, you know, throughout life. So he gets into the house. Um, it's this girl and her, like, her grandmother. Um, her grandmother is the fortune teller. She's, but but she doesn't talk. Yeah, she doesn't talk. She's got, like, these dark-ass sunglasses on, so she's probably fucking blind, just, you know, hiding her eyes. Yeah. And they both got, like, uh, this weird, like, star tattoo thing yeah, on, the, their, on their faces. Yeah, the grandmother has it right there in between her eyes yeah. on her forehead. And, and the girl has it on her cheek. And it, it when I was a kid, it kind of looked like a mole to me. Yeah. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> so I'm guessing it's some kind of, like, gypsy tattoo or something. Mike's telling her that... He knows that Jody's going to be leaving. He's been going to them for a while, like, worrying about this shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of thinking, like, why would a kid even think to go to a fucking fortune teller? It kills the story, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Some things, uh, and that's another thing in horror movies, too. Like, uh, you can't, like, just go off of, like, oh, well, like, uh, normally this would happen if, if, if this is going on. Sometimes it's just, like, if, uh, you know. 
it just it has to go that way to to lead to where the story is going. Yeah. You know, not everything has to make one hundred percent sense. I just thought it was a little weird, but it, you but, know, but, hey, but it's true. It's like I mean, like if if you do that to me, if you got a problem with someone, you you know you you talk to them about it first, you know, or you know see what's going on, and then well, like, apparently hey, you know, once it hits a point, you got to be like, hey, you know, maybe we need to go to this fortune teller. Yeah, it's like no, nah, I'm not gonna talk to you. I'd rather go to someone and, and give them my money, and, and and that person will tell me what's really going on. After he tells her th- that he thinks that Mike's leaving, he starts thinking back to, you know, uh, a couple of days ago or whatever. When, for one, he's he's driving the car, which I thought was pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it's crazy because he's he's the one mostly driving the car yeah. throughout the movie, and and uh, they talked about like, oh yeah, that's how that's when he learned to drive. Yeah. As soon as he gets out of the car, he goes up underneath the hood and starts working on something. Um, and you're going to see this a lot in the movie where Mike is the one working on the CUDA. You never see Jody doing anything. Nah, Jody don't get his hands dirty. No, he doesn't have time for that. He's like, I only do guns and guitars yes. and women. And women. Mike can work on the car. He's like the quagmire of the movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's up underneath the car and in comes a, a neighbor. He starts talking to him about, you know, I'm sorry to hear about your parents and all that. And... um. He's like, yeah, it's it's really hard, and I'm thinking about sending Mike to live with our our aunt. I know he doesn't want to, but you know he's always following me around, and I can't stand it. Basically, and Mike overhears and, this, and that's like one of the themes of the movie throughout is is uh just you know Jody's going somewhere, and and wherever he's at, you see Mike just you know just following right behind yeah, out of nowhere, like trying to keep up with him somewhere. Yeah, he's, he's always following him because it's like I mean the parents are dead. Uh, so it's like all they have is each other and especially for, you know, Mike, he's, he's a younger one. So, I mean, it's, it's probably worse for him because I mean, he's younger. He doesn't have his parents anymore. Now, you know, it's just Jody and that's like his, you know, parent figure now. And, uh, you know, he's worried that, you know, they're gone. What, you know, what if something happens to Jody and what, you know, he's going to be all alone after that, you know? So yeah, throughout the movie, you just see, you know, Mike just, you know, just out of nowhere, just like running past after him on a bike, wherever he's just, you know, right there. Yeah. And that, that kind of plays into the full fortune teller thing and why they have him going there. And the whole scene of that is they talk about it, like in, uh, the director and, and, and the actors, they were talking about it in the, in the commentary where it's like, they kind of have some type of a link, mm-hmm. the brothers. So, you know, that's, you know, plays a part of it, you know? Yeah. So then after that, um, Mike's talking to them about, you know, seeing that tall man, he's like, I saw something. Yeah, and he was really scared of it. Really scared, and he tells him about how he lifted the, the the casket into the hearse, and uh, they pull out this box, and put it in front of him. And Since he was talking about fear, they yeah, wanted to test him. Yeah, he was like, I was totally fucking scared. So they put this box in front of him and tell him to put which, his hand in. Which it. is crazy because the box just came out of nowhere too. It's yeah, just like it just it just appeared. It just appeared. Yeah, it just appeared. It's, yeah, they didn't find it somewhere. It just like you know you see you know it's just the table has nothing there and then split second poof that that black box shows up. So they have him put his hand inside of it and you know he didn't want to do it at first but they're like just do it just do it. Mm-hmm. So he puts it in and like something grabs him and he's like. Get my hand out. It's hurting. It's hurting. Mm -hmm. And she's like, just don't fear. Don't fear. It's all in your mind. And he starts calming down a little bit and finally gets it out. And and she was, that's basically what he's, she's telling him is like, don't fear. Like, don't worry about it. You're okay. Yeah. Fear is the real killer. 
the next part you see is uh, the granddaughter actually going to Morningside. So she's going in there, and then she's uh, looking around, goes inside the mortuary, and she goes towards, like, this buzzing noise that you can hear. Uh, so she's, you know, wanting to see what's in there. So she heads towards it, and then you just see the uh, the outside of the mortuary cuts to that, and a big, you know, she's screaming her head off, and that's the last you see of her in any movie. <laughs> in any movie, she really died, guys. Yeah, that was that was the end of her. <laughs> you know what? Don wanted to get it right, so he really killed her. Yeah, so he didn't kill her. He probably just put her in the uh, dimension, yes. the tall man's dimension. Maybe she's one of the dwarfs now. Oh, you know what? You know what? She probably is. Yeah, I would think so, because why just kill him? You know, like, when they kill him, I mean, they do end up being a dwarf anyways, no mm-hmm. matter what. All right, so now we get Reggie pulling up to Jody's house. And this is this is kind of a cool scene. A lot of people talk shit about it, but I thought it was really cool. Oh, is it the part where they uh, they start uh, the song? Yeah, he they gets talk out. about that? I yeah. like that song. Yeah, they're saying it's just kind of dumb. I thought it was cool. I don't um, know. I, I like that song. Yeah, he he gets out of his ice cream truck, and we we said before he's got a super dope ice cream truck. Mm-hmm. He pulls out his fucking guitar. He's got an acoustic guitar. You know, Jody's already rocking out on the porch with his electric guitar. He goes up, sits down, and like they just right away they knew what they were playing. Where he, you know, he he knew exactly when to come in, and this just really fucking cool song. Yeah, and it was it was written by the uh, that act the actor uh, Bill Thornberry. He's a uh, he does uh, music, and uh, I think I looked up, and I think he is an actual music teacher in a university or something like that. Oh, okay, that's why they were fucking really good at it. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Yeah, just rocking out, jamming. Yeah, and it's cool that you know that was a uh, you know work that that was original and that they made it. And this is also uh, a part where you don't really notice it at first, but it plays into a lot of what happens at the end of the movie reggie pulls out a tuning fork mm-hmm. and he's sitting there and he's messing with it with his guitar mm-hmm. and then it just kind of cuts to the next scene you don't you, you don't really think about it when it happens but later on in the movie you're like it comes back and, and, like, and, oh, an, and, and in other sequels too i think it does come up as well there you go yeah so uh jody ends up at the dunes cantina and uh he's going in there he's looking for puss that's all he's doing as soon as he gets up to the bar he gets a drink you know, he notices that there's a, a girl sitting there, and it's the Lady in Lavender. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he's hardly even talking to her, and we know what's going on. He doesn't know what she's planning on doing, so he's so, thinking... So, so so this is a lesson to the guys out there. If if you go to a bar and a chick goes with you that quickly, yeah. there's something wrong. Yeah, he's thinking, fuck you, yeah, I scored. No, I, didn't even have to, I didn't even have to work for this. No, dude, you're going to be murdered. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Mike followed him, so he's peeping through the fucking window mm-hmm. like a creeper and sees this whole thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Not even five minutes of, of Jody being there. They're already walking out. Lady and Lavender's wanting him to take uh, go down to the graveyard. He's like, yeah, it's just right down the road. Mm-hmm. So they take off walking, you know, and Mike follows him, of course. Yep. Hiding in the bushes. Yep. He loves those bushes, man. Yeah. So uh, they're over in the graveyard, and they, you know, start, uh, you know, making out. Clothes starts coming off. Uh, when Lavender's, you know, clothes comes off, there's an actual double that doubles for her. So there's a double Lavender that comes up in the credits. So so when there's the, the nude parts, it's someone else. So She yeah, just didn't want to do it, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, she didn't want to do that stuff. So the, you know, the boobs are out and, uh, yeah, there's Mike and uh, 
Right, like Jody's like, yeah. And then, and then you see Mike right there. He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah. And this is where I was like, how the fuck did he see those titties from way the hell over where he was? And he was like, he's young. He's on got the other eyes. side of it. He's got good night I vision. I guess so. He's got great <laughs> night vision, yes. Yes. Like, there's no way he would have saw them titties. Like, well, I don't know. we had them right in front of our view, you know, watching the movie. Mike couldn't have seen those titties. Yeah. So, like, you know, like, they're doing their thing, and then, uh, yeah, you hear the uh, the dwarves again mm-hmm. in the background, and this they're time... They're just growling, like, super fucking yeah, loud Yeah, but and they're, they're, they're closer this time, so they're coming up behind them, and, and uh, Mike freaks out, and next thing you see is this, like, you know, Jody and, and the Lady in Lavender, you know, clothes all, like, thrown all over the place, and then you just see uh, Mike screaming, running, you know, in back of them, like, just... Into frame and then right out the frame. Yeah, Jody's like, hold on, I think that's my little brother. Yeah, so, uh, you know, he, he, he says, oh, I'll be back. So he chases his brother down and, uh, you know, finds out, you know, like, hey, what's going on? And he's just like, oh, there's these things and, they, you know, they're going to get me and blah, 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 blah. And and you better, you know, like, where's that girl? And he's like, oh, well, she's still back there. He's like, well, you better get her too or they're going to get her. Yeah. So uh, Jody gives him the keys and says, you know, just go home. Jody goes back to find her, and she's gone. Yeah, so uh, next it cuts into a, a part where it's uh, one of those uh, kind of jump scare kind of moments where uh, Mike's sleeping in bed, and then he's just, you know, seeing with his eyes closed, and then he opens his eyes, and a tall man's hovering above him with tombstones in the background. And then, uh, you know, besides being scared of, you know, the tall man right there, then uh, these hands just come out of nowhere from from the, from the ground. Yeah, like and these start, zombies come out of the yeah, ground. These corpse hands are just like you know grabbing at him while he's in bed. Like oh, you know, like as a kid, it's like you know, like where do you where, where can you go to be safe? You know, you think oh yeah, if I go to my bed, I'll be all right. Just put the covers over me. And yeah. Nope. You, nope. <laughs> yeah, it gets you in your dreams or whatever. Like there's no place safe. That look that the tall man had when he was standing behind there, he's just got his arm stretched out over the bedpost. Oh, yeah. And just completely still with the, the light in the back and like kind of a little bit of a fog going on. Mm-hmm. Just it's that like, look he had was, oh, iconic. was awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. iconic. The tall man is walking uh, in Main Street, and then Reggie has his uh, ice cream truck with the, with the back hatch open, and then you see the, the like, mist of the, uh, you know, the... But what is it? The dry ice. You see mm-hmm. the mist come out from there, so the cold is coming out, and the the tall man's taking those big steps. All that, yeah, there's echoing bump, through the whole bump. street. Yeah, he's just like walking through it, like you know, just like clunk, clunk, and then like he gets to the part where that the you know the the mist is coming out where it's cold, and then he kind of he stops in his track, and then kind of turns towards the camera. And, like he's and, looking at Mike yeah, across the street, but, but he's not. It's just like he's frozen, but he's kind of like, I don't know. Like they they were even saying, is is he, uh, you know, like, is it hurting him or is he in ecstasy? Yeah, you know. So that's kind of what it is, and and uh, it does come up later on where the the cold does, uh, you know, hurt the tall man. It's it's something that uh, messes him up in some way. It's kind of like dreamlike too, because of the way he was doing those steps. And the music in the background mm-hmm. as well. Well, like I said, those steps were just like just echoing through the street. You really don't hear anything but those steps. Yeah, and, and this is from Mike's point of view and his perspective, and he's all the way across the street. Yeah, and then you see Mike's face too, and he's just looking in terror as as the tall man is going by because you know, like he's seen him with with the coffin, and mm-hmm. and and you know, so that's you know 
he's already freaked out by him, so he's mm-hmm. like, "Fuck that." Yep. So uh, Mike's at back at home. It's uh, it's nighttime. He's working on the the Barracuda in the garage, and uh, he starts hearing some noises, and then the car starts shaking on the and it's on one of those old school jacks. I'm just like, "Holy fuck!" I was scared for him because of that. That was that was one of the the scariest parts of the movie was that shit. And I'm like, "That's real." Yeah. It's it's shaking. He's hearing the noises. He sees. Because he's got part of his body out at that point in the beginning, yeah. and then if the car goes down, it's gonna like smash his legs or whatever yeah, right there. So like once it starts like shaking, he kind of he like you know he scooches in. So I mean you know it's either scooch out or in, but I guess it's safer to be underneath. You know like either squished or, or like it's gonna be a tight spot. Yeah, I think it was more if he was just afraid of what what What's he saw because he saw like the brown yeah. robe go by. Mm-hmm. So he was more afraid of what was going on out there than getting smooshed by the car. But I'm like, fuck, dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, it actually does fall on him. And you see that he's okay, but he's he can't he's get stuck. out right yeah, away. Yeah, he's, he's kind of stuck. Then he looks over and sees some feet standing there and hits it with the, the hammer. And it's Jody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, to me, I was like, that was a little bit of a comic part right there. Yeah, that was a, that was cool for like the contrast of the scene. Cause to, to give you a moment to, to breathe. Yeah. So, you know, Jody's fucking wailing and shit. Ah. And then uh, Mike gets out and he's like, it was here. Those things are here. You know, uh, they're, they're here to get me. Um, Mike Mike doesn't really, uh, Jody doesn't really believe him right then. Yeah, it takes a lot before he actually starts believing him. Because mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie, it's like other people are like, oh, you know, like, may, I mean, like, we see it. So it's like, we know that, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, like he's seeing these things. But Mike's like, yeah, okay, whatever. My little brother's going crazy. Yeah. You know, like, like my parents died. Our friend Tommy died. So, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's basically what it is. He, You know, Jody thinks that Mike's just going through all this stress and and uh, kind of making stuff up. He mm-hmm. doesn't really believe him at this point. Mm-hmm. So afterwards, like, uh, Mike, you know, he starts, you know, even though his brother doesn't believe him, He's like, okay, you know, I guess the next step is, like, he has to take it into his own hands, and let's see where it goes from there. So you see him, uh, you know, arming himself with that hunting knife, and on his uh, little dresser table, you see, you know, there's a crucifix there, and, you know, first he gets the hunting knife, gets it all together, and then, you know, like, he was almost going to head out, and he kind of turns back, and he grabs a crucifix. Because, I mean, you know, he doesn't know what, what's out there, or evil forces or whatever. So, I mean, a crucifix, silver crucifix. Yeah, it's the what, go-to what, when you're, yeah, when you're like, battling monsters and shit. Yeah, it's like, you know, what, you know, it couldn't hurt to have it with no. him. So he takes that and uh, he heads over to the uh, Morningside Cemetery. He kicks in the window. Like, first it's all quiet. Like, you know, you know, he's trying to, like, sneak in there and it's like... Bang! Like, okay, like, you're all trying to be quiet, but he busts this window. Yeah. So, like, yeah, he busts the window to get in there, and then uh, he goes exploring. Like, he's go- there's, like, a stock room that he goes through first, and uh, he gets into another room where there's a bunch of coffins. And um, those, uh, when I was listening to the commentary, one thing that was cool was, like, that that was actual, like, an area where they, you know, they went to go visit different cemeteries, and one of them uh, was over in my my part of the the hood uh, was uh, Long Beach. Oh, okay. So that's uh, that's over there where they filmed that part, and uh, it's a part that's uh, Forest Lawn now, and it used to be called something else. So uh, right there, it was an actual like you know coffins that were actually for sale. So yeah, he you know he goes in there, um, he's with the coffins, he hears someone coming. 
ends up being the caretaker. Before the caretaker makes it into that area, he hides into the coffin, one of them. And you see him like he's got like a little crack open. Yeah, so he's can, speaking. Through. Yeah, so he can you know he's looking, and then you just see the caretaker just getting closer. Yeah, it's like he the, it's, like he knew he was there, so he yeah, was walking it over yeah. there to open it up and and catch him. Yeah, so it was like oh that you know the jig is up. He's you know something's bad going to happen to Mike right there. Uh, but just out of the you know the last second, you see the tall man just show up in the background, and then the caretaker just follows him. You know, I'm not sure for what reason, but. You know, instead of going after the, you know, the coffin opening up, see what's there, uh, they they leave. So, you know, coast is clear. Mike keeps exploring in there. And then uh, he hears, like, this weird noise, which is the later on when it comes up, it's like a cool noise that you'll recognize when you watch the movie and then you watch the other parts. But it's a cool noise that comes up, and it ends up being those uh, metal spheres. Uh, it's one of them, and they're flying towards them. So... Uh, he falls just in time as it whizzes past them, but then uh, you know the caretaker is right there behind him. Yeah, so he missed. What he dodged one bullet right there, and then the caretaker grabs him from behind. He can't get away, so the caretaker's holding him. And then you know, next second around the corner, he could, the ball is returning again, flying through the air. And uh, luckily, like he's got you know the guy's got his uh, hands around Mike's face. So he starts, you know, taking a chunk out of the guy, you know, Mike. Yeah, he fucking bites down on his arm and there's blood yeah, just spewing out of his yeah. mouth. So so the guy, like, you know, he's he's human. So we get that because he can feel pain. So, yeah. so he lets go of Mike. And then after, after the last second, the ball comes over, uh, you know, lands on the guy. Well, not it lands on the guy. It attaches itself yeah, right it, to his fucking yeah, cause, forehead. Yeah, because right one split second before that, you see the forks come out, the mm-hmm. middle forks. So they come out, stab him in the forehead. And then uh, the drill comes out, so it starts drilling him, and that's like I don't know. To me, that's uh, that's what made the movie too. Yeah, that that's the, as, uh, as a kid and, and now. When you think of Phantasm, that's the scene you think of. Yeah, as those balls going through the <laughs> those balls <laughs> flying towards the face. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, when 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 that thing stabs them, and then the drill comes out. That's I mean, one thing would be just like if it just had the the forks right there, and then. Uh, Nothing else comes out there. Yeah. Eh, okay, whatever. But no, like you know, the drill comes out. It's like what you know what you know like that's <laughs> took it to a whole other level. You're like whoa! It you starts know? drilling into in between yeah. his eyes. Yeah. And so fucking... so the blood starts coming out on the front, and then uh, something there's an opening in the back of the ball, and and blood flies out of the back of the ball. It's as like well. a fucking fountain. Just yes. <sighs> yeah. So uh, yeah, the caretaker goes down, and uh, one thing I didn't notice as a kid until recent was that when he's down on the floor, and you know you just see his legs right there. Uh, you know, he's urinating. Mm-hmm. Like, he pissed himself because, I mean, he's dead, and, and you know, you release whatever, so, uh, you know. Please. That was a good touch. Yeah. Nice detail. Yeah, so that, that's going on, and it, that's one thing I was listening to the commentary. It was like, oh, yeah, you know, we got away with it because they wanted to give him an X rating yeah. for that, but they, luckily they, they didn't get that because they would have been less people to see the movie. And they really wanted to leave that in because I'm that like I said that was a really good detail. Yeah, and, and but that I, a lot of people probably overlooked. Yeah, like I said, I didn't I didn't notice that until recent. So uh, that was a nice touch. Mike turns around to leave, and across the hallway is the tall man standing there, and they 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 both just kind of just stand there and look at each other for a little while. And as Mike starts walking, the tall man starts walking. 
and they like mirror each other yeah. in their steps. And like I said, it, that was kind of like uh, an old West showdown. Yeah, like, you know that they just like, you know, one goes left, the other one's going left too. That was a really cool scene. Yeah, they they matched each other's movements as they went closer to each other down the hallway, and then Mike just starts to the right. Yeah, the with, fucking with the, tall man takes off running after him. Yep, you have that opening, so you gotta you know you gotta go for it because he's no match for that strong guy. No. Yeah, so uh, they're running through this, you know, like how we've seen the different parts of the mausoleum. Uh, that I mean, he's walking through the mortuary, going back to the spots that he went through. You see him getting chased by the tall man. They're going um, through the coffin area. Uh, he gets back into that basement area, but there's a door, so he, he slams the door behind him. And uh, luckily there was like, uh, like I don't know, it's kind of like those old school like castles where they have like the little um, levers or whatever, and then they have the big uh, wood uh, two by four or something that you can put in between the locket so nothing can get through. So uh, he gets that there and he's turned, you know, he's turned around like breathing heavy from uh, running and, and scared. You don't see it until like it cuts to the other side. Like he turns around and the tall man's hand is still like, like it's in between where the door jam is at and the door being shut. And the hand's just there like with fingers, just like tapping away at the door jam, like clunk. Clunk, yeah, clunk. and then so, then Mike finally notices it. Yeah, so like he get so like when he sees it, he freaks out and he get he gets his knife and slices the the fingers off. So you just hear the tall man like uh, screaming in agony, but it's not like a human scream. It's no. it's kind of like uh, I don't know, kind of like I don't know, like a demon and um, like kind of animalistic. Uh, sounds coming yeah. out of them, almost like alien. Yeah, which, but but, which... you can, but you can tell it's in agony, though. You know, mm-hmm. so it's screaming, and uh, he's you know, yellow blood is coming out of him. So, yeah, so there, this is the point where you know that th- there's something up with the tall man. And he's not a human. Mm-hmm. Like other than you know him, you you seeing him doing like the superhuman strength kind of stuff. He's bleeding yellow blood, so you know something's up with this motherfucker. Yeah, and Mike knows this now. Yeah, so, like, you know, he wants to get out of there, so, like, he sees... And the fingers are still wiggling on the floor. Yeah, they're still moving right they're there. They're still moving around. And so they're he, right there by uh, by yeah. Mike, by, like, his feet. Yeah, so he gets one of the fingers, and he, and he takes it with him, and he's uh, trying... You know, he's heading for the, the window that he busted open earlier and, and uh, trying to get to his exit, and then the dwarf creature, you know, they, they, they go after him. So they're, they're after him, and he's running for it, trying to get out. He jumps for the window... And they got him. Like I think there's two of them behind him, and uh, they're grabbing at him, and they almost get him, but they end up just with one of his uh, Adidas. I think <laughs> that's yeah, what it was. one of his shoes. Yeah, one of his shoes. I think they were Adidas. They were Nikes. <laughs> 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 so yeah, he takes the shoe, and then you know he's running for it, uh, heading back home, and uh, like you just see him, like he's knocked out. He's got a shotgun under one arm. And uh, a box, a wooden box locked up in front of him on the other step. So he's just right there sleeping on the steps of the stairs. So you can tell he's scared. Yeah. But, like, he, he wants to, like, be prepared, like, if something does come after him. And then uh, Jody, you know, he's been, you know, he's sleeping in his room. So, he, like, when he wakes up, you just see Jody come out of his room, sees his brother right there, notices the shotgun, <laughs> takes it out. And starts emptying the shells yeah. <laughs> right there. And uh, while well, he's emptying it. I was kind of like, you better leave those fuckers in there. <laughs> yeah, so he's emptying it. And like, uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a loud noise. So that wakes up uh, Mike. And that's where he tells him uh, what he saw. Yeah, and this is the, the first time that 
you hear the the name Tall Man in the whole movie. Mike was telling him uh, about how he saw the Tall Man picking up the casket by himself. And then uh, Jody, like he goes, "No, that's not that. That can't be possible. That thing had to weigh over five hundred pounds." Yeah, Jody doesn't believe him, so he's like, "I picked that up myself. Like I know it's heavy as shit." Mm-hmm. Mike shows him, uh, like goes up and and gets the box, or like he shows him the box with the finger in it, and and he's like, you know, it's moving. So that fi- that finally, like, okay, now Jody kind of believes him right there. <laughs> like, who sees a moving finger? Yeah. With the yellow blood. They talk about it um, downstairs, like they were in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? Something Like, uh, Jody finally believes him. And he's like, you know what? Uh, something is, you know, I don't know what's going on, but it's something weird. So he's like, you know what? Let's let's go get the cops. And, you know, so they want to get the, the officers involved. So he's like, yeah, go get your evidence. So... Mike goes upstairs to his room, goes to the box, and usually you can hear, like, the finger, like, moving around yeah. here, but it's totally quiet. So he's, like, tapping at the box, and, and he's, like, huh, like, you know, like, wondering, like, what's going on? Like, is it, you know, like, did the finger, like, finally die or whatever? So he opens up the box, and there's, like, a, I don't know, what would you call it, Paul? Like, a demon, like... Yeah, it was a demon fly. It looked like a fly. But, like, an ugly, was, like, hairy, yeah. like, glow-in-the-dark red eyes with, with uh, a bunch of sharp teeth. It was, it was fucking crazy-looking, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and, uh, like, super loud, crazy fly noise would yeah. come off of it, too. And it fucking darts up and... And it goes out, like, he doesn't see where it's at. No, so. it, it, yeah... He doesn't know where it's at, and then it starts crawling up his his hair, the back of his that, head. And the the crazy thing is, like that, uh, like Mike, um, you know, the actor when you know he had the long hair right there. Mm-hmm. So like the good thing is he had the long hair because that was a good effect too. Because like you hear you see the hair just moving up. I mean, if he had short hair, it'd be like nothing. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked as well. But, like so, so just, we can see that. Yeah, a little bit of his hair moving. So, yeah. So we're like, oh shit, it's behind you. Mm-hmm. It's on your fucking head. Yeah. So, like, he, he starts screaming and, like, like freaking out. And uh, what's it called? He grabs, I don't know, what was that, like a blanket or a towel or something? Mm-hmm. So he grabs, like, a towel and he puts it over his head and he's got it. But it's, like, still, it's strong. So, like, it's, like, when it moves to the right, like, Mike's getting uh, pulled over wherever it's pulling. So he's getting pulled around and Mike's trying to struggle with it. He's going down the stairs. Jody sees him, so he helps him, too. So, so, so Jody throws it into the garbage disposal and thinks everything's fucking fine. They killed it. Mm-hmm. And then Reggie comes in. And <laughs> yeah, Reggie's but, talking to him but, about it. But Reggie's oblivious, though. He's yeah, like, he doesn't no, know anything that's going no, on. No, no, like, 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 he's just coming in. Like, he's just like you or me or whoever out in the street. Yeah. Like, like hey, how's it going, guys? Like, you know, like, yeah, you know, blah, 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 blah. He wants to talk about whatever. Shoot, shoot the stuff before he actually goes out there. He's trying to, like, see, like, hey, can Mike come with me? Because it's, like, hot out there. We're going to be selling a bunch of ice cream. Yeah. And he's done it before. We helped out a bunch with crowd control. And then just, like, the fly comes in. <laughs> it flies out of the garbage disposal. Yes. <laughs> Reggie's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like, Reggie, Reggie like, like, he falls to the floor. And uh, what's it called? Uh, what's it? I think it attacks Mike again. It goes, like, into him. He's like, ah, it's like in back of his head yeah. again. So, <laughs> so it's like getting hair with it. And, He's and trying then, to build a nest and shit. I guess so. With, hair. You know, he had a lot of hair back yeah. then. Um, so then Jody jumps on top, gets gets the, the fly or whatever, the, that creature again. And uh, he dumps it back into the, the garbage disposal. But this time they're stabbing away at it. And like you said, like Reggie's on the floor, like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> they start gunning up, and they're gonna head to Morningside. 
Um, Jody gets to Morningside, and he's actually going through the same window. Uh, Mike told him where to go to get inside. Mm-hmm. Um, once, he, once he gets in there, there's one of those minion dwarves chilling over there in the shadows, and it jumps on him, and uh, Jody goes to shoot him, and it falls to the ground. And then, like, Jody just totally fucking goes, goes out of the window and takes off to leave. And the uh, that hearse comes after him. Oh, yeah. This one's a cool part, too. Yeah, and it tries to run him down. Um, kind of like how my story from yeah, the last episode. That's, that's what I was telling Paul. I was like, hey, you know what? The, I mean, his story, Paul's story was older in the family because that happened way before Phantasm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like, I mean, I didn't know the story until Paul told it on his podcast. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy that they kind of, you know. It was a lot like it actually yeah. when I'm watching it because I mean I've seen it before but I'm watching rewatching it for the the episode I'm like what the fuck man that's just like my story but the the difference is with the story like like the, like Memo said it happened way before that and it actually really happened as far as uh you know my grandma telling me the story that and I believe it but yeah and and the thing that's different too is like yeah it, it looks like there's no driver in the hearse. But, I mean, later on you end up seeing that there is actually someone there. So it's chasing him. Uh, Another car comes up. But, you know, I thought it was a hearse in the beginning myself. Uh, But luckily Jody didn't see that it was a hearse. It was the Cuda come up Mm -hmm. because they're both black cars. So the Cuda comes up, and he doesn't see anyone there either. Like, he doesn't see anyone driving yeah, the Cuda. Yeah, so and, and, and Mike's not trying to signal him or anything. He doesn't say anything. No, and, and you so can't. So for a, a good couple of minutes, Jody's like, who the fuck are you? And, and Like, who's in there? Yeah, and starts walking up to the, the car, going to fucking blast who's ever in there. Mm-hmm. And then finally Mike opens up the door and tells him to get in. I'm like, you asshole, you should have <laughs> did that as soon as you stopped. He's like, nah, it's better. Maybe he would have shot me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, he's like, I'm going to add some dramatic effect to this. Yeah, put some tension in this movie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like, they, they get in the, the Cuda, they're driving away, but uh, later on the hearse comes over and it's uh, it's chasing them down, and still, you don't see no driver Yeah, you don't there. see any driver. So, like, you know, it pulls up to the side of them, and that's, a, like, I think Jody noticed it first that he, he knew there was no driver, but, like, Mike finally sees it because he didn't see it before mm-hmm. until it comes up to the side. He looks to the side. He's like, there's no one driving that mother. So Jody's shooting at the car, uh, you know, different shots, you know, going into the window here and there. And then uh, he ends up like he wants to shoot up the engine. So he shoots the engine. Uh, the car, the hearse ends up crashing into a tree. So the the next scene is like you'll just see, uh, you know, Mike and Jody, they both want to explore what's going on. So you pull to the side. They're going up to the car. They see there's a, a bit of like a branch going through the car. And they open the door, and it's one of the dwarfs inside of the car with, yeah, with the branch sticking right through it. got impaled, it. yeah. Yeah, so the dwarf's done for basically right there, kind of, because, I mean, it's it does, you know, like you can't, I guess you can't really kill him. So, I mean, the dwarf is basically done for. It's like, you know, skewered right there. And uh, they, you know, Jody, like, looks at it closer. He pulls the hood off, and big reveal. It's Tommy. Tommy, Tommy got, you know, like, it's like, oh, you know, like, that was a shocker for, for everyone yeah. and, and for the brothers. It's like, and you know, and for Reggie, because he finds out later, too. Because yeah. at that point, you didn't know what the hell they, those things were. No, and so it's like, now there's more of the storyline going through right there. It was like, yeah, they're killing off these different um, 
Well, they're taking the dead bodies mm-hmm. of the people from the cemetery. But, like, they're killing our world, yeah. like, like, killing people and or, you know, getting rid of them somehow. And they're transferring them, they're making them into these dwarves, uh, smashing down their bodies somehow. They don't act, ever show how they do it. But they smash them down and use them into the other world where, uh, you know, it's the tall man's world and different dimension. Because the tall man is basically kind of like, like they said, an alien but but from another dimension, not from another you know planet or something. Well, they don't figure this out until later. Yeah, so they're in that you know, so they both see him. He's smashed up. They don't know like what happened, why he's smashed up, uh, how he's still getting around <laughs> after being dead. Yeah. So um, yeah, so I guess they get with Reggie next. Yeah, they 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 take the dwarf. With yeah. them. Yeah, so they get Reggie and, to come over yeah. to get the body with this ice cream truck. And Reggie's kind of worried, like, hey, man, he's not going to, like, bleed all over my ice cream truck. <laughs> you know, I want, you know, all over his ice cream. So. Oh, yeah, I mean, that, that'll be a hard sell <laughs> with a bunch of yellow fucking blood all over the body. A bunch of yellow goo, huh? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, Reggie gets rid of the body. Like, you know, they, they do another plan where they're going to do some other stuff, uh, Reggie and, uh, and Jody. But uh, this time... Um, Jody's like, oh yeah, like uh, he doesn't want his brother involved. Like he did, he wants, you know. I guess you know it's for the safety of his brother. You know, he's trying to be protective, so he sends him off with uh, with Sally. Next thing you see, Mike Mike is uh, left over there at Sally's over at the antique store, and they're kind of like rummaging around. He's looking around the different uh, old stuff right there. Sally and another girl are there, but they're in the background, so. You don't really know which one is Sally because there are two blonde girls right there. Um, but that's not really important. So Mike's walking around. He gets to the spot where he sees old photographs. So he's looking through different ones, and he spots one. And he's basically looking at it in terror because as he's looking at it, there's a uh, undertaker in an old school. Like, it looks like from the Old West. And yeah, the, the, like, the and late, like the 1800s or early 1900s. Yeah. Like an car- like old carriage kind of, exact, horse and carriage. Yeah, kinda. but it was a hearse that's yeah. in the background and the, the uh, undertaker's on top with his top hat right there and the two horses in the front. And then uh, the, there's like it zooms in. The photo is like just a photo, but it's zooming in. And the tall man, well, it, it reveals that it's the tall man. He turns around and faces the front of the photo. It was and, totally like a fucking uh, uh, Harry Potter kind of thing. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, but back in the days, you know, like yeah. that was a, like, you know, I don't know, good. Uh, it was a good effect. Good effect yeah. on there. And uh, so it's like, oh, you know, like Mike sees that, hey, like there's something wrong, like that he notices that. Like, hey, this tall man isn't just, like, a regular, like, he doesn't age like you or me. Like, that looks exactly what he looks like today. So that was hundreds of years ago was that photo. And, like, it's, like, you're going after something that's immortal. Like, Jody and Reggie don't know what they're getting into. Yeah. So he runs over to Sally, and he's like, hey, you got to take me back home. You can't ask any questions, blah, 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 blah. So next thing you see that they're in their little bug. Uh, heading back uh, along the road to try to get back home and, and warn Reggie and Jody. Uh, but uh, the bad thing is, is like Reggie, I guess he never made it because you see his uh, truck, it's it's on its side, on the side of the road, you know, in the darkness. So uh, Mike tells the girls, like, hold on right here. He's going to, you know, check out what's going on. So he looks around. There's no sign of Reggie. 
uh, he looks in the back of uh, the uh, ice cream truck and the uh, the dwarf is no longer in there. You just see like uh, some like yellow blood and kind of like a handprint yeah. in there. Yeah. Uh, Mike heads back in the car. They try to head, you know, head over to still warn Jody because, uh, you know, Reggie's not there anymore, maybe. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they start going in the darkness and all of a sudden the car starts shaking and moving and things are like, it seems like things are grabbing at it. And uh, the girls are freaking out. And then, uh, you know, Mike's in the back. He's, like, telling him, like, don't let in, you know, don't open the door. And, of course, the first thing the girl in the passenger does is open the door. Open the door. And in comes. Tommy's minion. Dwarf. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like calling them minions. Yeah. So uh, when they, they, they come in, start attacking the girls, and they, they attack Mike. So you just see, like, the car just, like, shaking in the darkness. And then uh, it starts taking off. So it's, like, you know, like, oh, man, like. The girls and and Mike are that's that they're done for, yeah. but but Mike gets thrown out the window somehow. So you see him smash through the window and end up on the the, the concrete, and he's knocked out for just I don't know a few seconds or whatever. But he wakes up and he you know heads back home. So you see Mike in his room and he's fucking around with the shotgun shell and uh, he's looking at his hammer and all the shit that's on his desk. He comes of he's doing some MacGyver shit right here, dude, where he's uh, he tapes a shotgun shell to like the hammer. And, like, this little thumbtack in between because um, Jody had locked him in his room. Yeah, he didn't just lock him in there. He got at some uh, a screwdriver and kind of wedged yeah, him in there where there's no way to get there, out. So yeah. can, which you probably really could. I, I was looking at it like, I don't know. I think that's going to be able to open right up. But anyway, he uh, so, he yeah, he made this clever little fucking device to just blow a hole and blow the, the locker and, and open up the door. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that like when I was a kid too, I was like, oh, you know, like that was that was a cool moment on the movie as well. Then you see Jody, he's leaving, he's getting in the cooter to head down the road. Um, Mike runs downstairs and grabs a gun and opens the door, and the tall man standing there on the other side. Did <laughs> it's like unexpected, like boom. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah because he op- he opens the door real quick and right there, just the tall man standing there, and you're like, oh shit. Uh, yeah, the tall man grabs him. And lifts him up like nothing. And uh, what's it called? Uh, Mike is, like, struggling. You know, he's got his jacket that he's, that the guy's holding him up by. He's kind of, like, struggling to try to get away from him. Like, yeah. you know, he's welding his, you know, flailing his arms. But, but nothing, you know, like like we said, the tall man is super strong. So you just see, like, when he's fighting him, like, the tall man's, like, you know, like, what, like, kind of, like, laughing. Well, not laughing at him, but kind of, like, he's, like, lifting him up even higher. Yeah, like, he just like, picks him up with one like, arm. Like, 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 if he's a kitten or something and he's holding him by the neck. Yeah. You know, so, you know, Mike's not going to go nowhere. Like, he, the tall man got some. So he walks him over, dumps him into the back of the hearse. And, uh, you know, they, they start heading back towards uh, Morningside as well. Yeah, so then you see uh, Jody arriving at Morningside, and then pretty much right after the tall man in the hearse. Yeah. They, you know, Mike's in the back, and he's, like, he's trying to figure out how to get out and, you know, realizes he's holding a fucking gun. Mm-hmm. So he shoots the back window. and uh, So the wind, the glass, bu- you know, busts open Yeah, busts open, and then he shoots, he shoots he downwards shoot, and shoots the tire. The rear tire. Yeah, yeah. so the tire fucking blows out. You know, causes uh, him to lose control and shit. And uh, this is when the, the hearse slams into the pole. Yeah, that's a pole where he lands into, yeah. Yeah, and then fucking blows up. But right before that, Mike jumped Mike out jumped of the window. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was actually pretty cool, too. Like, you're getting some Michael Bay explosions in this shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Okay, and then, then you see Jody. He's in uh, the mausoleum, and he's he's at his, uh, his parents' uh, like crypt. He opens it up to make sure that they're still there because, you know, he's... 
they're like, fuck, man, are they they're gonna they turn everybody into these things? He goes to open it, but he has his eyes closed. And then he shuts it again. He's like, they got to be there. I'm like, just fucking show us, dude. <laughs> like, Hey, it's a dramatic effect. Yeah, it was. But I still, I was like, just, just fucking show. Or at least, Jody, open your goddamn eyes. Uh, it cuts to um, Mike actually comes walking in and sees the casket lay, like, laying on the ground and Jody's gone. And he goes to, to open it up. And they're gone. There's no body in there. So the tall man made their fucking parents into those, those minion dwarves. Yeah. That's pretty we, sad. Yeah, yeah. And it's not Gru's minions. I, I wish that we could have saw them, though. Like, that would have been cool if when Mike came up to that the casket. They would have been cool, like, if there was, like, a uh, like a family photo or something. And then and then you see the, fa- you know, the mom and yeah, dad. Yeah, like, beforehand in earlier scenes, yeah. like, you knew what the parents looked like yeah, for sure. And, and then you see them as dwarves, yeah. with the, like, all smooshed up. Like, oh. Yeah, like like I said, when Mike comes up to the, the casket and it's empty. And then around the corner comes two little dwarves. And it's his parents. That yeah. would have been cool. Who knows? Maybe that was a uh, that was in there somewhere. Yeah, it might have been cut out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So he turns around, and one of the spears is coming straight at him. And the thing, while well, you see it, I think that's when you see it with like the like the red, like infrared vision or something or whatever it's got. But it's got got some kind of like red vision that okay. you see things in red, and you're looking through the balls, uh, you know, whatever vision it has. So you just see it like coming towards them. And then the blades come out, and on the last second, like, he gets pushed out of the way. Jody has a shotgun and, and blasts that, uh, the ball to, you know, smithereens. Yeah, it just fucking destroys it. Yeah, so... And this is when uh, Mike tells Jody that he came across this room and that they should go check it out. Yeah, that uh, the one where the uh, fortune teller's daughter... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The last we saw of her. Exactly. Yeah, so they talk about that, and they, they head towards it, and then uh, out of nowhere, our good friend Reggie... He's still alive. Yes. Yeah, so... No one's going to take Reggie down, motherfuckers. Yeah, no one kills the ice cream man. So, uh, yeah, Reggie's there, and uh, he tells him, like, yeah, like, uh, you know, he's not dead. Neither are Sally and uh, the other girl. Yeah, he's uh, all, oh, oh, now he's, he's all, I ain't dead, and I ain't three foot two either. Exactly. And then now I know the name of the second girl. The, the other girl's name is Sue. So Sally and Sue. So, uh, I mean, even though it's not important. But, uh, yeah, Sally and Sue, that they got away, and he said that he saw other girls, and he let them out as well. So, you know, he uh, saves them. Uh, they talk about, you know, going into the room, and they kind of, like, want to, you know, like, if it's, like, drawing straws, but not really. They didn't have any straws. They're just like, yeah, let's let, let's let Jody go first. Yeah, Jody can go first. He's got the muscles and the hair. Yeah, he's got the hair. He's got the shotgun. Let, let him in. He's a cool dude. Yes. No one kills the cool dude. <laughs> let him do something for a change. Yeah, so uh, so Jody goes in there, and uh, you see there's a bunch of pods in there. It's kind of like, I don't know if you guys uh, watched Breaking Bad with... Uh, Heisenberg, and he had, like, people end up in uh, barrels. They were kind of like those barrels. So the barrels are there, but they're black, and they have, like, an also, like, not an opening, but a kind of like a glass towards the top, and you can look inside them, and that's where Jody, like, he looks in one, and he can see that the dwarves are in there. So there, there's a stack up, you know, all through the wall, like, I don't know, like six high or whatever, a stack of barrels just all around. So there's a ton of dwarves there. And there's these two uh, metallic poles that are there. And uh, you see Mike walking towards it. And he kind of, like, you see him there. And he kind of, like, messes around with it. Like, he's kind of scared of it. 
But then he's like telling himself, don't fear. Yeah, he thinks back to that. The box. The box when he was with the fortune teller. Yeah, so. And the the don't fear, don't fear. Yeah, so like he sticks his hand in there and the cool effect was like you just see his hand and it just like disappears between the two poles. And you hear this weird noise like whoop. And uh, then he pulls it back and his hand's still there. So he's like, okay, like I'm I'm okay. And uh, they did that effect with uh, mirrors, which was, you know. I was like, okay, cool. Like it, it's like, simple, but it looks cool. But it, yeah, and it's like it was a really good effect when you see it uh, on, you know, when you're watching the movie. So like, the next thing you do, you, you see is like, uh, you know, he gets kind of comfortable with it, but it's too comfortable, so he ends up like flying into the two between the two poles. So you just see him like he's in another world, and like the sky is red. Kind of like if you're in Mars or something, and the that's ground, what it kind of looked like to me. Like it was like a dirt kind yeah, of desert ground, yeah. and then just a red sky. You see this trail of uh, the dwarves yeah, going the, off into the the horizon. Yeah, and the the, the dwarves they had the the um the cylinders there too. Yeah, so the barrels are down there, the dwarves are there, so they figure, hey, this is where he's dumping these dwarves, and Mike figures out that hey, the, the dwarves are actually slaves for the tall man to do his bidding whatever he wants so yeah he's you just see him floating up like in in the sky but and then you see him getting pulled and uh you know jody and reggie both save him but jody's the one that grabbed them and pulled them back out on the last minute so he comes out like there's like smoke coming off the back of his jacket so uh yeah he's like oh man i barely got him blah 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 so the lights go out and it's pitch black in the room now a cool scene that i don't think you saw very much before the phantasm i'm sure it was done but you you see it a lot in movies now it went pitch black and mm-hmm. as soon as he flicked his lighter you know his face lit up and there and that's when you see the minion standing right in front of him you know what i did i didn't even notice that i have to watch it again yeah <laughs> it was really cool and then and then you know and you, so you see that the minions right or the dwarf is right in front of him and mm-hmm. then the lighter goes out again so it's like holy shit and it's one of those things like i said you see it a lot in movies nowadays but I don't think he saw it very much before that. No, it's it's a good effect, though. Yeah. So when the the lights come back on, Reggie's by himself. The the other two are gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Jody's in front of the mausoleum. It, well, in front of the uh, yeah, he's outside. The funeral like, home. Yeah, he's in front of the. I guess he home. got transported outside or something. Yeah, and Jody, you know, he's out there, and Mike is in a different spot because they're all screaming for each other. Um, so you know they can't find each other. The brothers are out there somewhere. Yeah, our our friend Reggie is right there with the poles, and he's, like, going towards them, uh, you know, and he puts his hands over the poles to try to, you know, figure out, you know, like, to do something with it, I guess, can, to control it somehow. Yeah, and this is when he he, he thinks back to that tuning fork when yes. he was on the porch playing the guitar, and mm-hmm. that's where that, that whole scene kind of plays into to where we are now. Mm-hmm. He thinks back to that and thinks to touch each one with his hands mm-hmm. and reaches out and grabs each pole because the poles are only about like three feet high mm-hmm. well after he grabs them then the, all kind of like chaos happens where like um this uh i don't know there's some kind of power that happens where like through that dimension that he that he uh that was on the other side starts pulling things towards it so you see the barrel start like heading towards the you know that opening uh, and flying through the uh, you know the spot where things disappear, 
So the barrels are going through, Reddy's on the ground trying to get away because, like, you know, there's a force pulling and he's almost getting pulled in there as well. So he's, like, you know, crawling on the ground trying to get away. And the barrels are coming down. From what I heard on the commentary, one bashed him in the head, too. And then that's why you see there's a red welt on his head. But, oh, you know, but he's a trooper. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, like, luckily, Reggie makes it out of the room. And outside, you see, like, there's a, you know, crazy, like, kind of like a whirlwind going on because it's pulling everything. Um, and, uh, you know, the brothers are still screaming for each other out there. Reggie. Uh, finally makes his way out, but uh, beforehand, like, the brothers do end up, uh, you know, reuniting. They find each other, and uh, outside, there was uh, the lady in Lavender was there, and she was going to kill uh, Jody. The brothers meet up. Reggie, like, when, when that thing happened where Reggie touched the two poles, she goes down for whatever reason, but she's down. The, the wind is going crazy. Maybe that's the reason, and uh, Reggie comes out of the funeral home, and he sees her on the floor, so I mean, he doesn't know who yeah, she he, is. Yeah, he doesn't. So he goes over to help her. Yeah, so you know, he goes over to help her. Uh, when she, when when she, he turns her around, uh, she still has the dagger in her hand, and she ends up stabbing him in the gut. So you know, he's you see him go down. Yeah, and, and, he's, you're, and you're just left. To, did he fucking die? You're left to think, did he die? Yeah. Holy shit. So, so Reggie's down there. He's all bleeding. He was, yeah, he was bleeding out, dude. Yeah, he was bleeding, and 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 uh, like he starts shaking too. Well, like he's like looking up and just like you know, while he's looking up, he's like shaking, and and uh, you see the lady in lavender standing above him, and then you see the tall man. Like it's kind of like they're going back and forth, like like. You see Lady Lavender and then the tall man. Lady Lavender, tall man. Like, just blinking. In, in yeah. Kinda, and then there's kind of like a, a mesh where you kind of see both of their faces in one another. So it, later, later on, you know, Reggie's just, like, dying right there. And then you see the tall man standing above him. So, you know, the Lady in Lavender and the tall man are one and the same. So, you know, Reggie ends up dying right there. The two brothers, you know, come up and try to find Reggie. They find him, but he's already dead right there. So, you know, they, you know, they, uh, Mike wanted to help Reggie, but you know Jody's like, no, you know what? He's dead. It's too late. You know, so they head they head away to to get away when they're when they're taking off going back home. Uh, you see a scene where like the funeral home just kind of like there's like a glow around it. Yeah, it's like this red glow. Yeah, and then a weird noise, and then you just hear it just get like sucked away. Yeah. like it just disappears. They go back home, and then they're you know they're talking about Reggie. You know, like that he's gone. Blah blah blah. So they're sad about that. But Jody's like, yeah, well, you know what? Reggie's the last one that they're ever going to get. So, you know, he's planning to go back there, and he's talking about that there's a mine, and uh, there's an open mine over there, but, you know, there's signs, and he wants to he wants to trap the uh, the tall man in the mine. So he wants to go over there, prepare it, get it ready, and put something over it so he can set a trap so that the tall man doesn't see it and get rid of the signs. And uh, what's it called? He tells, you know, he's going to, he's like, I'm going to prepare it. I'm going to head out. So he heads out in the CUDA to do that stuff. And he tells uh, Mike, hey, stay behind, you know, get the, the, the ammo ready, you know, get it all together. And, um, you know, make sure everything's locked up. And um, that's where it's like, you know, we're getting towards the end now of the story. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, yeah, so, so he's locking it up. He's, you know, getting things ready. And he goes to a window and... He's closing it up, setting it up. Like, he opens the, the curtains, and then, you know, it's just like regular, you know, you expect there's nothing there. So, like, he goes to the other one, closes it up, opens the, the, the curtains, and, oh, 
there's the tall man yeah, just like looking man. straight yep. in there. And this is where he says that the iconic line, boy. Yes. <laughs> and it just gives you chills too. Yeah. So like, uh, like you know, the, like the tall man's there. He busts through the window, and he's uh, you know, he's chasing the the kid around. But like, it ends up where like the kid's somewhere else in the house. So we got to wait for I guess a little bit. This is when uh, the tall man says to Mike, "You play a good game, boy, but the game is finished okay. now. You die." So like these two te- uh, tombstones pop out of the ground. And these hands grab his feet. And you hear like this wailing and like this weird screaming kind of shit, and he he breaks free. He turns around and then he sees the lady in lavender. Yeah, while he's doing all that stuff, he's telling himself, "Don't fear." It's going back to you yeah, know, going that, back to that, that fortune teller scene. So yeah, so so it's kind of like the stuff like that he's uh, like that he's fighting through, like that he's seen through the whole movie, like the tall man, uh, the lady in lavender. The bug was supposed to be in there as well, from what I heard in the commentary. Okay. Uh, those hands, that remember that, that they grabbed him while he was sleeping, that, that comes yeah. up where you're talking about the, uh, you know, that he's going through the tombstones and then yeah. hands come out. So, like, that's kind of like him, like, conquering those, those fears All that those he had. All those fears he had, yeah. Yeah. So, like, when you said the lady in Lavender, she's there with her knife, and he's there holding the knife, you know, like, with both hands, like, just pointing it towards her, like, mm-hmm. but, like, uh, with his... Like he's walking away, like facing her, and then like backing up, and then then he then he uh, heads into the bushes. He turns around, and that's supposed to be the scene where like he gets through the bug. But like there's it's supposed to be a spider web. That's why I say it's kind of weird that it's kind of like a fly, but there's supposed to be a web. Yeah. So, but that's what it looked like to me. But that got cut out. Like there's no bug. There's you don't you know see that stuff. So he goes through there, and then the tall man's after him in the back. And he gets to a clearing, but, like, uh, there's nothing in back of him anymore. And then you just, like, see him just, like, looking left and right. And then uh, the cool part is, like, it's kind of like an exorcist effect, like, as far as, like, when they breathe out. Like, I guess it was, like, super cold. And then, like, when he's breathing out, it's when the fog's there. Yeah. And you can see the breath coming out of him. And he's just kind of, like, Yeah, that was a real cool scene. And then then you see the tall man just emerge from uh, the bushes. And the and the chase is on still. You know, it's it's going. So uh, Mike turns around, you know, he books it. Uh, you see both their their feet, you know, or their shoes or whatever. They're, they're running. And behind it, you see the uh, open mineshaft danger sign uh, hidden in the bushes. So Jody got rid of it right there. And, you know, they're running and then they're coming up to the mineshaft. Uh, Mike knows about it, so luckily he jumps yeah. just in time. And and th- this thing looked stupid, dude. It was just like a square hole in the ground, and you can tell that <laughs> but, it was like freshly dug. It didn't look like a mine shaft. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't what I was thinking anyway. No, it, I mean the thing though is, I mean, uh, it was uh, like you said, it's small, but I mean, I mean, it worked for what it was supposed to be, anyways. But I mean, you would think the opening would be bigger. Than yeah, that. I mean, I don't know. It was it was just fucking weird. But, yeah. you know, whatever. They did what they had to do. Yeah, so, like, he jumps it. Uh, you know, it was covered, like, camouflaged. And then uh, the tall man ends up going down. He, You know, he didn't know about it, so... Yeah, he falls. So he falls in. He's he's in the hole, but, like, most of his body's in there. But, like, you see the top half of him with his, his arms. Is He's trying to get out. Like, yeah. He's, he's like, uh, reaching his both his arms out there, his head's out, you know, looking out there. And uh, that's when you see uh, from the little hill by right next to it, you see these big fucking boulders come rolling down. Well, beforehand, before the boulders, uh, like he's, you know, like the tall man struggling right there. But he also has uh, what's it called? Uh, Mike's 
feet. You know, he's got him. Yeah. He's got him. So he's almost got him. He's like, like you know, there, but he's struggling because he's in the hole. So he, you know, he ends up like he, he doesn't get, you know, Mike gets away. And that's when the boulders come out. Yeah. And uh, it covers up the hole. Like there's the smaller ones go in there first, but then like this big one just manages to find its fucking way right to the hole. Yeah. And covers up the hole. And then you see that Jody was up there. And I'm guessing you you, you got to think that he pushed those big ass boulders down. I don't know. I don't know. There was no explosion either. <laughs> no. But, uh, I don't know. Like the director said, "Oh, you're a good bowler," because they were talking about you know he was uh, with those rocks. Even you know they look heavy and stuff, yeah. but they were styrofoam. Yeah, one yeah. of them was gigantic. So I'm like, how? Yeah, because like you said, they didn't. There wasn't any explosion or anything. Yeah. Like yeah, but the thing, even though they were like not not real boulders or rocks or whatever, uh, from what the commentary said is like that they did end up damaging a Panavision uh, camera from it. <laughs> so I think they said it was like ten thousand oh, dollars worth shit. of damage or something from it. So I don't know. I guess they they do cause damage even if they're made out of styrofoam. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So after uh, Jody's there with his arms raised in victory. Um, you see Mike waking up from his bed, so it was basically all a dream. Yeah. Or, an, I, didn't or get, a I didn't get that right away. Though. When I was a kid, I didn't get it that it was a dream. Like, even just recently when I watched it, I didn't get that right away. Yeah, because to me, it was like, it, it could still, like, I mean, it could still be, like, hey, it's a dream, or is this thing real? Yeah, because, I mean, we saw Reggie... You know, supposedly die once before, and then he comes back. Yeah, because I mean, uh, when Mike wakes up, Reggie's there, you know, and he's alive. Yeah, he's perfectly fine. Yeah, but but Jody is dead, and uh, Jody, they, he says that he, you know, that uh, that Jody died in a car accident. But Mike is convinced he's like, no, like the tall man, he came out. Yeah, after, he's like, the, he, those boulders won't hold. Like it's not gonna yeah, hold him. He, he keeps talking about the boulders not holding, and he's talking about that. Uh, that yeah, the tall man. He's after me. Like he he first he went after my parents. Then he got Jody. Now he wants me, and that's kind of like the theme of the sequels later on. Is he's still you know he's still after him yeah. uh, throughout those sequels. Um, so yeah, there's you know Reggie's like right there and he's comforting uh, Mike, saying, "Hey, you know what? You might have lost your brother, but you're not alone. I'm here for you. I can never take his place, but I'm gonna try." You know, so it was kind of like heartwarming, you know, like, oh, you know, like, you know, it's, you know, he's just a friend. He's he's kind of like family, too. But, he, you know, even people that are that are friends, they become family. So, you know, he's like, hey, you know what? What we need is a change of scenery. So he's like telling uh, Mike, uh, hey, let's, you know, let's go on a road trip. And Mike's like, hey, well, where are we going to go? And he's like, well, wherever the road takes us, you know. Yeah, so Mike heads upstairs so we can pack up and get ready for, for the road trip so they can get out of there and uh, change the scenery, you know, maybe feel better about things. So he's going up, and uh, you see him go into his room. He's packing things up, his clothes. He grabs, he, and, uh, he ends up getting a photo with Jody in it. And, you know, he's like, you know, looking at it. That's his brother. You know, his brother's gone now. So he's like looking at it kind of sad and and loving at the same time and he you know he packs the the photo in there and then uh you see him walk past uh, a mirrored uh closet door so he goes by there he's um you see him duck down he's grabbing more things when when he when he goes by that uh closet door like i think he kind of kind of closes it up a little mm -hmm. bit and when he closes it up you see that mirror with uh the tall man is on the other side just waiting right there yep. for him and he doesn't realize it. And, you know, after he's done packing, looking out, you know, you see him ducking down. Then he looks up. Uh, 
Mike turns around and then you see him, he sees the mirror and the tall man on the other side, he turns around and the tall man's there and he, and of course the epic line, boy, and he's kind of freaking out and behind you just see the glass, the, the mirror shatter behind him and the arms of like corpses just grab Mike and pull him into the door, but it's not, I guess, not a door. It's like into a portal another, or something. Yeah, like a portal or something, but into darkness. Yeah. It pulls him into darkness, and then everything just goes dark. Yep. And that just like, leaves it as like, oh, man, like that could have just been the end of Phantasm right there. But, you know, they've done sequels. But that was just like a great way to just end it right there. I'm wondering um, if it wasn't like the plan to just end it right there because it was perfect. Yeah, I mean, but the thing, though, is, like, at me being, you know, you and me, we're both uh, horror fans. Of course, like, if a sequel comes up, we're going to be like, all right, oh, yeah. we'll give it a shot. Let's see how it is. I mean, um, I mean, the sequels are never as good as the original most of the time. But, uh, I mean, with that one, it was just so creative. You want to see these things come back. You want to see the tall man. Yeah. Because, you know, he's, you know, one scary dude, strong dude, crazy, uh, you know, being from another dimension, uh, you don't know everything about him, so there's like uh, you know so much mystery surrounding the tall man. You want to know what happened to Mike if if he's still alive or if, is that the end of him? Yeah, because I mean the way that the the end scenes play out, you're just left with like what the fuck? Mm-hmm. None of this really happened. Like, yeah, and what's then, going on? Yeah, and it, that looks like it could have been uh, like a nightmare or a dream as well because I mean you know when I watched it, I was a kid, and then ending it that way too, it kind of like freaks you out like hey you know like you don't feel safe in your bed you don't feel safe around mirrors <laughs> you don't feel safe around tall men no tall <laughs> old man yeah so um yeah like it, you know it was a it was a really good you know for me as like i love that movie i uh i've liked it since i was a kid i still like it now still holds up for me as far as uh you know the the stuff that they did in it like uh, the effects the the storyline the directing, it was all done well. Um, and, like, the spheres, that was, like, one of the most awesome parts of it. Like, yeah, I mean, that was a, a real cool idea. Yeah, and, and, like, the sound effects on different things, like the like I said, like, the uh, when, when the tall man gets his, ha- his fingers sliced off and then that crazy uh, sound of agony, that was a crazy cool sound effect. The uh, minions, as Paul calls them. Yeah. Yeah, those uh, those had the crazy weird sounds when you when you hear them coming around. So you know that's pretty cool as well. The song that you said that that, that Paul said that uh, that people hate that scene or whatever. Um, I think it's a cool song. I thought it was cool. It's catchy. Yeah, and and you know like uh, I don't know. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, the the time period in which it was made. It was, you know, that was a good time that that movie was made because it goes with it. You see that, you know, some of the stuff from it. Um, and then kind of like how things were back then as yeah. well. You know, like things were, you know, like kind of more open. People were like like Mike always following his brother, Jody. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like, I had a cousin back in the days. I would go visit my grandma and my cousin would be over there. And when we would take off, like, he kind of would do that. Like, he would chase the car for a bit, like, <laughs> like a couple blocks down. Don't leave and, me behind, guys. Yeah, and it kind of reminded me of the same thing. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's just something that kids are going to do. You know, they want to be around, you know, the, the people they look up to. So, yeah. Or he thought that you were going to fucking leave him <laughs> for some <laughs> lady in lavender or something. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's this is a really good movie. Um, it was it's kind of, it was kind of hard to to do the review on it. Um, we went we went scene for scene on it because the way that it goes back and forth, it's it's tough to just like you know. I mean, you could just talk about it really quick, but if you talk about it, you don't give it justice as far as like how it was made because the story it kind of jumps from one part to another and back, and you can kind of get lost in it. Because uh, like it's kind of like a, a dream or a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And with that end scene, how they did that and make you think, was this a dream? That tells you that's why the movie played out like that. They wanted you to feel like it was kind of like dreamlike. Yes, and that that you know that's that's the, the way it leaves you uh, on that one. And then the other ones that come up, it kind of has a little bit of elements of it, but not so much as much as this original one. And to me, I mean, I love this one the best. Yeah, it's I, really, really good. Yeah, I still like the other ones too, but you know, like this is you know like the other movies. It's like that you can't beat the original. I haven't seen the newest one yet. Yeah, Ravenger, I seen it, uh, but I will reserve talk about it until Paul sees it. Okay. They innovated a lot of things when it comes to the horror genre. Like I was saying, that one scene with the, the lighter in the dark, like you see that all the time now, and it's kind of something you just throw away, but. When you watch it in something in an older movie like that, yeah, and that's one thing that I like about uh, these older ones too is that, like I said, the practical effects mm-hmm. and, um, like I said, the uh, the imagination that goes into the movie. There's all kinds of ideas that go that's going on in this movie that you would never think would work together, and they do. You know, you got zombies, you got these little minion dwarf, almost looking like Star Wars characters. Just this tall old man and just his demeanor and the way he looks and everything is just creepy as fuck. With a lot of mystery you yep. know, behind him. The the biggest thing is this fear. Yeah. He just took a chrome ball and made it fucking frightening. Mm-hmm. And that came from a dream, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think he kept having like a recurring dream regarding that. Yeah, like you said, it all started with a dream. All started with a dream. Yeah, and, and the other... Uh, cool thing that you're bringing the different aspects also like the uh that uh the two poles that were a secret passage to another dimension and the tuning forks like yeah that, that was uh, also you know very imaginative as well so uh, i give it two thumbs up two thumbs up for me there i love go. the movie so that wraps up our review of phantasm i hope you guys had a great time i'd like to again thank memo for joining me tonight next week he's coming back and we're going to review probably the best werewolf movie ever made an American werewolf in London. So be sure to join us for that. Good night, guys. We'd like to thank you for tuning in to another conversation about all things horror. Leave your feedback on all of our social media outlets. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to stop by our merch store at teampublic.com for t-shirts, hoodies, all kinds of goodies. Stay creepy, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>